What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew, brought to you by Ricola Cough Drops, because I've got tuberculosis cough. Um, you can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you're so inclined. Proudly, never blue check marked. So, fuck off. This week's episode is Danger in Disguise, which is Nancy Drew Files number 33. Um, again, we're in 1989, and Nancy is wearing an ill-advised outfit, which is made up of a, like, hmm, buttercup yellow shell under a cropped coral long sleeve jacket and a teal, like, I'm pretty sure that it's denim, like, midi skirt. I mean, the color combo is somehow working, but I would never have put all that together. Like, that's that's just not a thing that's going to happen for me. Also, she's, like, full redhead on this cover. Like, the cover artist ain't fucking around on that. She's also carrying, like, a small brown book of some sort, which has nothing to do with anything. Um, In the middle ground, we have a guy who is wearing a really interestingly cut um, sleeveless tank top and some high-waisted jeans, and he's carrying a hammer, and he looks like this could go either way. I might be giving porn, but I also might be doing some light yard work, or, or both. I don't know. He's looking kind of broody. It's okay. We're going to meet him later. Um, In the background is a helicopter and a guy in a, a suit that is running toward the helicopter, even though the helicopter is clearly too small to hold him, and Nancy's chasing after him, wearing an outfit that is described absolutely nowhere in this book, nor is the one that she's wearing on this cover. Um, but it's one that we're going to see again later for The Suspect Next Door, which I fucking love because there's a lot of Nancy and them making out in that one. Where were we? Um, anyway, she looks like she's about to tackle his ass, which I'm here for. I'm here for it. Danger in Disguise is... Uh, again, we're in 1989. And I promised you last week that I was going to deal with immigration. And the little, like, pre-cap in the previous book was like, yes, there's an illegal immigrant. And I was like, ooh, but this feels very clue in the diary in that, remember how we talked about how it's okay to help immigrants as long as they're white? Um, it, it feels like we're hitting that note again. Anyway, because broody half-ground dude who looks like he's giving either, I don't know, a really interesting massage or possibly hammering some nails is white. Like, he ain't giving swarthy, so it's fine. Um, this one is also weird because in the books, like, I would say that any politics is, like, firmly buried. They want to make sure that no matter what your political persuasion is, that you're kind of, like, not gonna be upset. So, I mean, although I would argue that Marilyn Kilpatrick is pretty much coded Democrat, but anyway, it's fine. Um, it's okay. She gonna pop up later. We love her. She's like a she's a card in our back pocket. So many scandals. This one opens up with Nancy and George in a campaign office in River Heights. So there's a councilman running for re-election named Tim Terry, who actually is like almost the MacGuffin of this shit. Like it feels like he's going to be a main character and he's on screen for like five minutes. So, um, Nancy's helping out George because George is really into politics. And also George wears a dress exactly one time in this book. Like if, if you'd been like, oh, I was unaware that George was a girl, like you could have been safe and kind of assuming otherwise. Lots of button downs, lots of, lots of masculine coded outfits. Nancy, on the other hand, because they're getting ready to leave at the end of the day, um, picks up her boyfriend's letter jacket. And I was like, I love that we're giving high school. Like it's, it's definitely like, he is my high school sweetheart and love of my life, and 
I've got his fucking Letterman's jacket because we are committed. Is there a pin on it? I don't know. Anyway, um, they're getting ready to leave for the night. Bess is also helping out because, like, they're her besties. But she's also like, I'm going to go to the mall and hand out flyers. And maybe also go by the arcade because there's this hot guy there that I'm into. So Bess is not there at the time. So they're talking and they've been like, like stuffing envelopes and it's really late and everybody else has gone home and Nancy's like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Which, same. So Nancy goes to turn off the copier, which I was like, that's adorable. A time before copiers could just put themselves to sleep. And when she goes back there, like there's somebody in the copy room, which is a copy room with a frosted glass door. And I was like, that's an interesting call, but okay. But we need it for reasons. Um, so she hears two people in there. There's one guy who is, like, clearly nervous, like, squeaky-voiced. And there's a taller guy with a really deep voice who is an asshole. I mean, they both seem to be assholes. <clears throat> squeaky-voiced guy, shorter dude, um, is, like, protesting that he, like... Taller dude is, like, you weren't supposed to make copies of that, and you made copies. So we gotta find that last copy. Dick. And little squeaky dude is, like... I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to. And taller dude is like, I knew that you were a little rat. Like, oh my god. You're the worst. We gotta find that fucking copy. Um, so they scour the copy room, but they can't find it. And Nancy's like, well, um, shit. Because, like, dude is clearly about to, like, fuck that dude up. Like, little dude at one point is, like, sobbing. Because dude has him, like, in a fucking chokehold. And Nancy looks around to see if she can find, like, a weapon to go in there and do something about this shit. But there's nothing around her. She can't find anything. So then they're like, well, we've... Who's the last person who would have been in here? We've got to, like, go find this thing. So, um, Nancy runs back to where George is, like, shutting up for the night. And she's like, come on. And so they run out and get on, like, the fire escape. I don't have a really clear idea of this building, honestly. It's it's a little weird. Um, so they run out there, get on the fire escape, and Nancy, like, cracks the door just enough, because the door's a little, a little creaky, of course, and she cracks it just enough to, like, listen in on what they're doing, but she doesn't want them to see her. And George is like, what the fuck is going on? And Nancy's like, um, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you. So there's that. Um... So she listens, and finally the guys leave, and they say that they have to go talk to Kathy, the secretary, and that they're going to have to kill her. And Nancy's like, shit, we've got we to gotta get to Kathy. So they go and find Kathy's phone number, but George is like, she probably ain't going to fucking pick up her phone. She screens her fucking calls, and Nancy's like, okay, well, Kathy, if you can hear us. And George is like, she turns down the, the like volume on her answering machine. Like, she's... She is a bitch you might hear to be found. So Nancy's like, oh, well, we got to drive to her house. Like, we have to warn her. We have to tell her to get out because if those guys are going over there, like, this ain't good. This ain't good. So they get in the car and as they're going out there, like, the security guard is like, who's here after hours? Like, I have to call this in. And at the same time, Bess is coming up because she's finished handing out her flyers. And she's got, like, a handful in her hand to, like, return. And so, um, Nancy and George are like, we, we gotta go. We gotta go, you piece of shit. Um, so the cop's like, I gotta call this in. And Nancy's like, you do have to call this in. That's your duty. And you know what your duty is as well? Handing out fucking flyers. So here's a bunch of flyers, bitch. And she, like, shoves, like, a hundred flyers in his hand. And then she, they run away. And George is like, what the, what the fuck are we doing? Bess is like, I, sh, was that like a joke? And Nancy's like, kind of, but we got to get the fuck out of here. So 
they all get into Nancy's car and like haul ass to Kathy's house. Um, Kathy's house is like not in a good part of town. It's kind of weird because like in some books, it feels like the entirety of River Heights is a good part of town. And in others, it's like, it's a hotbed of criminal activity. So this is a hotbed of criminal activity book. So (coughs) I'm sorry, tuberculosis cough. So, um, they find Kathy's apartment and when they're outside, like trying to like ascertain that it's her apartment, they hear like this weird jingling sound and it's like, huh, that's weird. Um, but they go into Kathy's apartment and it seems to be vacant. Like she's, she feels like maybe she heard somebody running away, but she's not sure. There's nobody in the apartment when they come in, there's a window open. And when they go back to the window to look out, there's Kathy's body. Like Kathy has fallen cause they're on like the third floor or something. And Kathy is clearly dead. And Nancy's like, Oh shit, shit. So in true Perry Mason form, she calls the cops and she gets detective Hicks, which I'm also going to say that there's a point in which Nancy says, bless your heart to best. So Nancy is a Southern belle in this one. And you can't tell me to fucking different. So they call the cops and detective Hicks is like, okay, so um, either somebody came in here and pushed her or it was an accident or it was suicide. And Nancy's like, but I literally just heard some, some dicks like talking about killing this bitch. Like, what do you mean? It's any of those three things. And George is like, who apparently has spent a lot of time with Kathy talking to her is like, well, she just broke up with her boyfriend. She was like thinking she was dissatisfied with her job. And the cop's like suicide risk. And Nancy's like, it ain't suicide if somebody's been, like, fucking saying, I'm gonna go murder your ass. Like, this feels like a direct, clear, bright line between those two things. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know about all that. And Nancy's like, you're a shithead. So. They talk, and they're like, okay, so what's the paper they were after? Because if we can find the paper, then maybe we'll have some idea about what the fuck is going on. And so they talk to Bess. Bess is the one who, because as soon as she possibly could, she grabbed the copies off the copier and ran out to, um, to distribute flyers at the mall. So Bess is like, I don't know, it might be here. And Nancy looks through them and she finds one that doesn't match the rest of them. It's a form that she doesn't really, she doesn't really get the purpose of. Like, it looks like information about a business and one part of it, the, um, like, the corner has been folded over because it's clearly, like, a copy that somebody, like, of a physical document that somebody put on the copier. And so Nancy's like, this is weird. So she talks to George, and George says, oh, yeah, so one of the responsibilities that Tim Terry has is he's in charge of the, like, oversight committee for River Heights, which is, like, approving bids. So if somebody makes a bid to, like, do some sewer work or construct a building or whatever for the town um they they like do the the check to make sure that the person is legit and not corrupt and all that bullshit so like that's one of his responsibilities <coughs> and the form in question is a form that would have been filed with like the clerk's office about that bullshit and so Nancy's like okay so it's basically like the information for a background check for a bid is what you're telling me but why was it so fucking important so the name on that is Michael Mulvaney. But the the thing in the corner, Nancy's not quite sure what it was because there's no indication as to what information would have been there. So um, they look his ass up and then they call his business and his answering service, which I love, um, says that he's on his job site. So they drive out to his job site. It's like eight o'clock at night. 
at this point. Like, it's pitch black outside. It's also September. Uh, the previous book, we were in, like, January, like, practically, because it was almost New Year's, and now we're in September. Um, good times. So, they go out there, and he's, like, working by himself at a construction site, and Nancy's like, oh, hey, um, what you doing? All three of the girls go out there, and he's like, I'm, I'm doing some work. What's up? Like, he seems very friendly and charming, and then Nancy's like, I don't know the, enough about this to know what the fuck is going on, so she shows him the document. Like, she's like, maybe I can shock some information out of him. So she shows him the document, and she's like, we were curious about this, and he's like, and he immediately gets really fucking pissed, and he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here, and like, also, he gets an Irish accent, and Nancy's like, okay, okay, well, let's go, and the other thing that she figured out is that the, the two people, like, one was, like, shorter than the other one. She saw his profile whenever he was up against the frosted glass, so, of course, she couldn't clearly see who he was, but she saw his profile, and he was, like, hawk-nosed, and he had the squeaky voice. The other one, the taller guy who was threatening, had a deep voice, and Michael has a deep voice as well, but whenever he gets angry, he starts, he gets a little bit Irishy, and so Nancy's like, Okay, so the thing that I have found out is that it wasn't him. The other thing is that I don't know what the what significance this fucking piece of paper has to anything. Oh my god. So the next day after the murder, which again the cops were like, IDK, was it a murder? Um, Nancy's sitting at home and she's pondering everything that she's found out when she hears a knock at the door. She's alone. Um, her dad's at a conference because that's what Carson does. John Hamm needs to be conferencing, which may be a euphemism for sex. Um, and also Hannah's at the grocery store, which according to Nancy can take several hours. And I was like, again, are we sure that Hannah is not having an affair? Are we? No, we're never are. Um, so she's home alone when she sees, she goes to answer the door and she sees through the door, Michael, who she ran into the night before and was like, get the fuck off my property and was like super angry and also Irish. And she's like, okay, I'm going to keep the screen latched as a side note. Um, the fact that Nancy says, bless your heart to Bess and the screen door. I was like, are we're, I'm not entirely sure that we're not in the South right now. So Nancy's like, um, hi, I'm what's up? He's like, so, um, I talked to some people and I found out you're a detective. And he's like, yes, that is true. I will admit to that without the presence of my attorney slash father. And he was like, I need your help with something. I'm really sorry I got mad last night. I thought you were the one who sent me this note. And he holds up a note to the screen door, which Nancy has trouble reading through said screen door, that says, the real Michael Moroni is still alive. And she's like, mmm, you're gonna, oh, okay, you got me, like, this is prime Nancy bait. This is what she's here for. So she lets him in and she's like, I'm, I'm getting good vibes. I'm getting good vibes. I feel like this is a, a good decision to make. So he comes in and he tells this story. He's on his lunch break. Nancy's like, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, um, I work construction. We just take breaks. Shut up. Anyway, he has his own construction crew. Um, he has worked his way to having his own construction crew. So he immigrated from Ireland. He was like, I, th I think you probably know that. She was like, yeah, it came out last night. Um, so when he came over, he stayed with a friend of his mother's named D. Shannon. And D. Shannon said, I had a boarder here named Michael and he died. Um, so 
you also don't have the status to actually like get a job or anything. So why don't you just kind of um, borrow his papers? Because here's the thing. Um, shit. What is his damn name? Not Michael. His damn name is not Michael. Um, not Michael. Um, really wants to get his family out of Ireland. And Nancy's like, oh. And he's like, I'm from Belfast, Ireland. Okay. There's also, like, as soon as he said this, he was like, I just wanted to get my, especially my brother, away from the trouble. There is no capital T on trouble, but there should be. And it's as though Nancy and Michael are, not Michael, are looking at each other and, like, wink, but that's not specifically stated in the text. And I was like, hmm. The fact that he's calling Belfast Ireland and not Northern Ireland, I was like, okay. So the the thing that they're not saying that is, like, all but spoken, is that apparently Michael maybe had some run-ins with the IRA, like, as in might have been flirting with that idea, and that his brother definitely is, like, that his brother is basically roaming the streets and hooking up with people who are, um, in, in trouble, like, so he wants to get his family out of there and get him over to the United States to get him out of that, and again, this is 1989, okay, like, we got about a decade before the thing is signed so that this is not going to be a big thing. So, again, they don't say it. It's not spoken. It's nothing like that. But, like, it's... Nancy does seem to understand most of what he's talking about. So, I was like, she knows. She knows. Anyway, he assumed the dude's identity because this was going to allow him to work and to, like, get a business and save up money so that he could send for his family. Like, that's his goal. Like, my God, we're, like, in 1930s now. Like, seriously. This is all he wants. He was like, I work hard at my job. I do a good job at it. My father trained me in this. Um, I think his father, like, passed away. But his father trained him in basically the same kind of stuff he's doing on construction sites. And so... He's like, I, that's all I want to do. And then I got this note, and I need to find out who sent me this note. He said, I freaked out because I thought you had, and that you were basically, it was like a prelude to blackmail. And Nancy was like, have you received a blackmail note? Has anybody asked you for money? And he's like, no. And she's like, yeah, it's like, why send you this unless it was like the preliminary for that? So he's like, can you help me? And Nancy's like, I don't normally do this. Like, you are acknowledging to me that you've fucking broken the law. And I don't normally help people who have broken the law. And he's like, but he gives her puppy dog eyes. And she's like, okay, okay, just this once. Yes, okay. Like, I feel like you're good people. Like, it again, you didn't kill the guy. But clearly somebody knows that you stole his paper. So, also that he's still alive. Which, again, he wouldn't have done any of this shit if he hadn't known that. If he had known that. So Nancy's like, okay, I'll take, I'll take your case. She's got two things going on. She's got the murder and she's also got like, who is threatening? Not Michael. So, so she takes that on. The first thing is, okay, if not my, if real Michael is still alive, where is he? So the first person that she needs to talk to is going to be, of course, the person who handed him the papers. And Nancy's like, okay, can I go talk to your D Shannon, who again was his mom's friend who had immigrated, who like basically has rooms to let, who let him have the papers. And Michael's like, so, um, after I got the note, I kind of, um, confronted her and it didn't go well. And I don't know, she might not want to talk about it. And Nancy's like, okay, 
thanks for that. So Nancy goes over to D. Shannon's apartment, and D. Shannon does not want to let Nancy in. Like, apparently she's in the, like, kind of rougher neighborhood. Like, she's got a nice house, though. It's it's cute. And Nancy's like, hey, can I um talk about Michael? And he's like, absolutely the fuck not. And Nancy's like, are you baking? Because you look like you're baking. I can, I can come to the kitchen and talk to you. It's fine. It's fine. No big deal. So they go to the kitchen. And Nancy, bas- like, anytime she brings up Michael, she can see that Dee gets upset. So she's like, she just kind of, like, eases her way into the topic. And so she's like, okay, so can you t- eventually, eventually she comes around. And she's like, look, he's just trying to help his family. You understand. He's he's very upset over all this. So eventually she softens up. And Nancy's like, okay, so can you tell me about the real Michael? Like, the, the original. And she was like, he kept to himself. Like, I didn't, he didn't talk that much. He didn't seem to have friends or anything. Um, he just used it as a room. He didn't eat with anybody else. He was just antisocial. And then he was gone. And I heard that he had died. And Nancy was like, what business was he in? She's like, construction. And Nancy's like, huh, huh, okay. And she's like, yeah. And so, you know, when Not Michael came over, I was like, hey, um, you know, I've got these papers. I just wanted to help out. But then he, like, jumped down my throat. And Nancy's like, again, he's really sorry. And, um, yeah, so we're just going to try to track that down. Nancy's like, can you give me any clue as to where I could maybe talk to some people who knew him, who knew more about him? And she's like, well, he used to go to this, like, dive called Side Pocket Bar. But you should not go there. And Nancy's like, why, why would I not go there? And she's like, girl, no, if you're going to go there, take a big old burly man with you. Like, do not go there by yourself. And Nancy, like, basically crosses her fingers behind her back. And she's like, okay, I promise. And then immediately goes off to Side Pockets. Side Pockets is um in the rough part of River Heights. Because, again, we're in, like, gritty reboot River Heights at this point. So, like, she pulls up and she's like, there's, like, the windows are completely boarded up. So you can't see inside. And... It's, it's looking like the building has not been well maintained and it's just, it, it's giving, it's giving that she should not the fuck go in there. It's giving all the signs and Nancy's like, I got this. So she walks her happy little ass in there. It's midday. Okay. It's like fucking midday. She walks her happy ass in there. And as soon as she walks in, like six big old burly guys are like, what you doing here? It's all guys in there. Okay. I was like, we're giving not gay bar but also maybe a gay bar. Um, but like gritty reboot gay bar, um, post-apocalyptic gay bar. So she walks in and it's like a bunch of pool tables, like again, side pockets. And Nancy's like, Oh, okay. Who here wants to play some pool? And they're like, sure. That makes total sense that you would just wander in here, just looking to play some pool. And Nancy's like, actually, I'm I'm here looking for information about Michael. Um, one of my friends is in trouble and I'm trying to find him because I need to ask him some questions. And they're like, you ain't going to find him. He's dead. And Nancy's like, how do you know that? So when she's talking to them, like, they're like, why the fuck should we talk to you? And Nancy says, what if um, we play a game? And if I win, you can give me some information. Like, that's what we're going to play for. Internally, she is completely trembling. She's like, I could get murdered in this location. And they would never find my corpse. Um, But of course... Carson Drew has friends who play billiards and so Nancy's like I got this shit she was she says that she was introduced to the game at a time that she got like really interested in like perfecting her game like she got really dedicated to it so she's like I got this 
And of course she does. Because she's Nancy fucking Drew, you sons of bitches. So she's she's like, can I break? And they're like, okay, go ahead. So she breaks and she calls her shots and she gets most of them. She gets a little bit nervous when she's talking. So she actually does like, and she doesn't intentionally flub the shot, but she does like honestly flub the shot and to give the guy an opening. Cause she's like, hey, I ain't going to talk to me if I whip his ass. So they're talking and Nancy's like, what was he in construction? They were like, ah! no, he was probably buried on a construction site. And they were like, wink. Because again, they're all looking at each other and all very confrontational. And Nancy's like, so when you say that he probably got buried on a construction site, they were like, yeah, he was a professional hitman. Like that was, they call him a professional. And when Nancy doesn't immediately like twig to that term, they're like, he killed people for money, little girl. And Nancy's like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. So he was a professional killer. And okay. And they were like, yeah, he fucked with the wrong people. Like, and Nancy's like, but if you're telling me that like nobody found his body, then why is it that you think he's dead? And they were like, oh, because he wouldn't have, like, he wouldn't have left things the way they were. And he's like, what do you mean? And they're like, people owed him money. Like, he wouldn't have left that money on the table. He want that kind of bitch. So he would have collected. And he's like, okay. I mean, sure. Also, they refer to him as metal mouth. And Nancy's like, Nancy either doesn't follow up on that or asks what it means and they don't tell her. So, so she's like, metal mouth, maybe that's some sort of weird term that I haven't heard of. Anyway, so they have a good game. The other guy wins. Um, and there's one guy who's like, you should stop talking to her. Like, this is a bad thing. And Ace, who is the guy that she's playing pool against, because of course that's his fucking name, is like, you shut up. She's doing good, okay? They're, it's like they're proud of her. Like, they're, like she's their little mascot. But anyway, so they they are indulge her. And she's like, good game, guys. All right, I got to go. And gets out of there. And she's like, oh, God. Oh, God. So she gets out and she's like, okay. So that, hmm. Like, she's got no proof that he's still alive, but she also has no proof that he's dead. So she goes to George, who I think she tracks down post-workout, who was, like, wearing a hoodie and sweats. And is like, yeah. And they go to have, like, pizza. And Nancy's like, how is it that you work out and then you eat pizza? And George is like, to keep the right balance. I, you know, work hard, play hard, eat pizza hard. Like, come on. Because, again, George is not about to develop an eating disorder. There is one crack in this book that she makes to Bess about, like, because, of course, Bess goes on a date with video car- arcade guy and is like, he's kind of self-absorbed, though. And George is like, it's just as hard to fall in love as it is to stay on a diet. And I was like, maybe shut up. And I mean, you're at least marginally better than you were in the old books. Anyway, so... George goes to the newspaper morgue to see if she can find any indication that the real Michael, like a death notice or a note about suspicious activity on a construction, anything like that. And Nancy's like, okay, I'm going to follow up on some other leads. So, um, the thing is that like, I don't, I can't, there, there's so much fucking shit that happens in this book. Like they go to, she goes by the construction site to see Michael and, somebody's like, there's like a group of people outside and she's like, what the fuck is going on? They're like, some scaffolding like broke and it like somebody died. And Nancy's like, son of a bitch. But when she gets in there, it's just like the scaffolding did break. And it was the scaffolding that Michael was on. Not Michael. Um, but he was wearing a safety harness and so he didn't die. Although he apparently normally does not wear his safety harness. So 
Also, I'm just going to back up slightly here. The job that he's on is not the job for the city, just to make sure that you're aware of that. So he's going to do the job for the city after he finishes this job. And he's like, it's it's the last job that I need to finish making the money to get my family over here. But the thing that he's worried about is he's going to be caught by immigration and be sent home. And that'll be the end of it. Like he won't have, he won't be able to send for his family. And he's hoping that like, if, if it comes down to it, if he has to turn himself in and like take whatever the punishment is that he will still be able to get enough money to get his family over. Cause even if he can't succeed, at least maybe he can get them to come over. So again, we are like, we're hitting all the buttons. He's white. He wants to get his family over here. He's a good guy. Come on, come the fuck on y'all. So the next thing that happens is there's going to be like a big party for all the volunteers and supporters. And anyway, so Councilman Tim Terry, Terry Thomas, is going to hold a party and everybody's invited. and It's going to be a big shindig and everybody's supposed to go there. And also um, they're like invite whoever, because again, they want it to look like he's super popular and everybody wants to be there. So they invite Michael because why not? And so he comes like actually wearing like a nice, a nice suit and everything. He looks good. He's also got some random tools in his pockets because plot reasons and also to just establish that he works construction and maybe does some really specific genre porn on the weekends. Um, so they go to the party. Bess is wearing like a yellow dress, which again is a bold move on anyone. So I'm here for it. Um, Nancy's wearing like blue cause that's her signature color. <coughs> and George is wearing like a very becoming outfit with a little jacket. So anyway, um, they go to the party. They see a lot of people there. And Nancy's like, I, Nancy's still trying to find the people that she heard arguing the night of the murder. She's like, if I can find one of them, like that, I can at least like try to figure something out. So the one guy that she is most interested in, who she thinks is the smaller dude, the squeaky, sobbing wreck of a man, um, is Franklin Turner. I think that's his name. That's his name now. Um, who has the same profile, meets the same general description, and is he is basically a political appointee in that his parents are wealthy, and so they were like basically contacted Councilman Terry, and were like, "Hey, can you give our son a job?" And he was like, fuck yeah, I can. I guess with the implication, like, apparently they pay him to work the job. So it's like he's working for free and bullshit. You're like, that's called a campaign contribution and it's fucked up. So he works there and one of his responsibilities is to deliver the contracts to City Hall to be checked for um, anybody making bids. And Nancy's like, okay, that's perfect. That would explain how he got a hold of that document. Like, because George is like, yeah, that's part of what that would have been. So Nancy's like, okay. So he saw the document, something tipped him off. And so he had interest in it and wanted to make copies of it for some reason. We still don't know who the other, the bigger dude is, but we, we know it's probably him. He goes over and he's talking to two attorneys and Nancy's like, I remember dad talking about them, but I do not remember what he was saying. And she's basically like fucking refuses to call her dad and find out, which, okay, sure. That's a flex. Um, but yeah, so one of them is named Jethro, which again, I'm like, are we in the Dukes of Hazard? Are we? Is there going to be a car that flies through the air and plays horrible racist music? Anyway, um, so um, she sees Franklin Turner go over to the attorney, the two attorneys that she's heard of, Jethro, and she's like, okay, so interesting. Um, also, 
Franklin apparently, like, doesn't come in until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's, like, in Chicago partying it up all the time. So, he's, it basically seems like he's not taking his job very seriously or whatever the fuck. He's there with some girl. And, anyway. So, also, Bradford Williams comes in. And he is a, like, prominent Chicago businessman who is backing Terry Thomas. See? Now I'm fucking making up his name. Tim Terry. Um... And so everybody's like, oh my God, he's here. He's, he's so good. And we're so excited to have his support and everything. And Nancy sees when he opens his mouth at like the glint of a gold tooth. And she's like, that's weird. I don't think anything of it. There, while during the party, George comes over and she's like, I guess it pays to be friends with Nancy Drew because she hands over like a prom invitation. It's on like vellum and scripts and everything. And it's like, you are invited to an after party at Tim Terry's house. There'll be a limo outside waiting for you. And they're like, sweet. Fuck yeah. They get into the limo and Bess is like, this is the life. Bess Bess is uh, absolutely here for limos in all forms. Oh my God. I forgot to say that um, when Nancy goes to see Dee Shannon and she's like, oh, and also Michael was like, you need to go see her in the morning before she sees her shows. If once her shows are on, that's it. And so Dee's like, I like to cook before my shows come on so they don't have to worry about it. Nancy mentions that she knows Rick Arlen, remember? The one who 100% banged Bess in the back of a limousine. That movie, that soap opera star. That one. Anyway. Um, and she's like, you know, I met him. And the woman is like, it, that show has not been the same since they killed him off. And I was like, I do love the continuity to past books. I do love it. But also like that he, he did make it as a movie star or at least attempted to. So good job. Good job. There is a progression of time. It's the the same year just keeps looping, but it's fine. So anyway, they get in the limo. Bess is like, it's got a TV. It has a little fridge with crushed ice. Would you like a soda? I was like, y'all need some liquor, but it's fine. Anyway, so it's like a really nice limo and the partition is up between the driver and the passenger part of the car and he's like, okay. So the limo goes for a while and then it stops and the person in the front says end of the line in like a deep voice and Nancy's like, this is bad. And so they, like the limo stops, but it keeps running. Somebody clearly gets out of it and they hear a motor go away and carbon monoxide starts filling the limo because of course it's it's a murder limo it's a fucking murder limo i bet you hadn't heard of those so they figure out that they have to get the fuck out and of course the doors are locked of course they can't get the door open of course and like it seems to be made of bulletproof glass and nothing's working nancy's like do you have any tools to michael who's had nails falling out of his pocket he finds a um, screwdriver. I think it's like a flat handle, flat bladed screwdriver. And he's trying to like somehow pry like the partition or something so they can get to the ignition and turn the car off, do something. And Bess, who was like in a fit of superhuman, just angst, tries to help him and like snaps the thing in half, which Nancy's like, this happens. Bess hulks out when she's scared. And I was like, sure she does, hon. That's fine. Like, they're trying everything they can to get out of there. Like, Bess is trying to pound her, her heel against the glass. Like, she's, and Nancy was like, she's going to be the weakest link here, and that's okay. We're here for her. Eventually, they're so overwhelmed by the carbon monoxide, Nancy's like, we're going to die here. Um, that she's like, okay, our last chance is to basically brace ourselves against the seats and smash all of our combined weight through our feet into the partition so that hopefully we, we can, like, somehow get through it. 
So they do it the first time, but they're not in sync, and so it doesn't work. And then she's like, okay, we've only got one last shot. We're all about to die. So she, like, the strength rips out of her like she's a fucking Marvel superhero. And she's like, now! And they all slam their feet into it. And it comes loose a little bit. And so they're able to pry it open and, like, gulps of gulps of air. It's fine. It's fine. They, they just tumble out of the, the murder limo just laying there. Here's the thing about the murder limo. There's a switch on the front of the murder limo that you just say, return exhaust to car. And there's also a way to keep the ignition on with no fucking key in it. So there's no fucking key in the limo. And Nancy's like, this is awkward. And they've also got no way to get back. Like, I don't, I don't know where the fuck they are, but anyway, they're not anywhere that they can flag somebody down. So, um, they flip the switch to stop this fucking murder ride. And they, Michael just drives him back to town. He's like, let's roll down all the windows. Let's do this. So Michael takes Bess home and Nancy's like, George, let's, let's go do some shit. So they take the limo, which again, they can't turn off. It's fine. It's got a big old gas tank full of murder, murder kerosene. So they take it there. Is this an L. Ron Hubbard joint? How could it not be? Anyway, so they take it to Franklin Turner's apartment building. Nancy looked up his address. And so she's like, okay, why, what is this bitch doing? Like, is he involved in blackmail? I'm going to find proof at his place, if he is. Because she's Nancy Drew and she has faith in herself. So, they go into his, he has like a little, um, li- not a library, but yes, yeah, also a library. Like a little office. And he's like, I don't think any of these books have been touched. Because Nancy is here to judge you and your book use. And I'm here for it. So, they go into like his little office and they're looking around and Nancy's like, his desk drawers aren't locked. Which means he's probably not hiding anything in his desk drawers. But she goes through them anyway. She finds out that one of them has a fake bottom. So, she pries out the fake like paneling to be the fake bottom. Also, somebody else's porn name. Um, so, she finds a stack of manila folders. Then they hear somebody coming in. So, George hides, but, like, very badly. It's, like, between, like, almost kind of wedged between two bookshelves, but not really, so that if anybody looked in that direction, they'd be like, huh, there's a girl there. And Nancy wedges herself into the knee hole under the desk, which she's like, again, if somebody sits down here, I'm fucked. There's no gun. Um, Franklin which they thought he would be partying. It's like a Friday night. They were like, he's going to be in Chicago, like doing Coke until 2 a.m. But he's, he strolls in. He goes over to the desk. He doesn't come around the desk. He just goes over to the desk and he presses a button on his phone to call somebody. And he's like, yeah, we're going to get a handle. Like I'm, I'm doing my best, you know, whatever. He hangs up the phone and leaves without seeing either of them. And he's like, son of a bitch. So she takes three manila folders off the top and they know that Franklin is still there. And Nancy's like, son of a bitch, because if she, she's like, he didn't dial a number. He pressed a button, which means this is one of the presets. And so she's like staring at the phone. And she's like, but none of them are marked. So she doesn't know what they are. Um, so she starts hitting the presets and calling and George is like, what the fuck are you doing? We're going to get murdered. We're going to get fucking murdered here. And it almost already happened. Anyway. The first one is apparently his parents' house. Um, the second one is, like, fine tailoring. Um, two of them don't answer. One's, like, a sleepy-sounding woman. But the last one is just, you have reached this number. And so Nancy's like, yes. Okay. So she takes the three manila um, folders home. And they, they get the fuck out of there. I can't even remember how the fuck they sneak out. But it happens. Anyway. So... 
Nancy takes him home, and the next day, whenever George comes over, Nancy's like, this is, this is real, real fucked up. And George is like, what's, what's going on? And Nancy's like, okay, so he's been using this position to basically find vulnerable people and blackmail them, like, with threatening to expose them for whatever it is that they did. And George is like, okay, but, like, why hasn't anybody, like, reported him or snapped and killed him? And Nancy's like, because he's, like, lowballing. Like, he's not asking for a lot of money. He's got notes about how much he's asked, and it's only been, like, one ask. And it's been a low amount of money, like, maybe, you know, a few hundred dollars or something. And George is like, what the fuck? Like, if... Go big or go home. If you're gonna take the risk of blackmailing, like, why the fuck wouldn't you? And Nancy's like... Because he's kind of got him in a place. And again, what happens with most people is they get blackmailed. They, the person asks for too much money. The person gets desperate and they kill him. If you do this where you're just like asking for a few hundred dollars, which again, he doesn't need, then, you know, you're, the risk is less. And George is like, this is still really fucked up. What are you going to do? And Nancy's like, well, I'm going to go talk to one of these people and, and see and like make sure that what I'm thinking is correct. The first one, um, the woman basically embezzled a little bit of money from her company. She replaced the money, but not before the loss was found. And so she basically was fired from the job. Um, when she went to her next job, she didn't acknowledge it. Like, she had paid back the money, and they didn't press charges or anything. But, like, it's still a thing that's hanging over her head. Like, she's in a position of authority now, and if somebody knew that she had done that, like, they would, they'd fuck her up. Like, she'd be fired. So... Anyway, Nancy goes to her house and she's like an older lady, like her hair is going gray. And Nancy's like, hey, um, can I talk to you about the realtor that you worked for? And the woman's like, damn it, like resigned, damn it. Not like I'm going to go get a knife. So she invites Nancy in and Nancy's like, so can you tell me what happened? And the woman's account agrees with what Nancy found in the folder. And she's like, okay, did somebody approach you for money? And she's like, yeah. Um, and I paid it and I've always been nervous and I'm, I don't know what to do. And Nancy's like, I need you to be really, really brave and go to the cops and tell them what happened. And the woman's like, I'm not a really brave person, but Nancy can tell by the way she's talking about she's going to do it. So Nancy's like, okay, like you can do this. I need you to do this because I need to get the guy who did this to you because he's doing it to other people. And she's like, well, yeah. And she tells Nancy the story and it's like her child was sick. I think that her, like something just happened to her husband or he just left her or something. Anyway, she was in a really tight bind and it was like, she, again, she just needed it to get through. She was going to pay back the money. It was one of those like crimes of circumstance where it wasn't malicious. And Nancy's like, I have all the sympathy for you. I don't think that anybody's going to press charges. Again, you've paid the money back. The company didn't press charges against you. It's just that, like, you need to do this. And the woman's like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And then Nancy's like, can you look up the number for me? Because the woman has access to basically reverse directories that Nancy does not. Because, again, it's 1989. So she looks it up, and she's like, here's the address. Nancy's like, fucking sweet. Um... And I think this happens before that point. Nancy goes back to her house to be like, okay, now I know where I'm supposed to go. And Bess is over there and she's like, yeah, it really takes it out of a person to almost be murdered with carbon monoxide. I've had a headache all day. Also, Ned has called the house a couple times looking for Nancy. Nancy's like, okay, I'm going to take a shower, call Ned. It's going to be great. Okay, let's do this. I'm really sad that we do not get the phone conversation, but that's okay. That's okay. I can imagine it. 
And I would have been like, let's take the shower after because phone sex, but okay. Anyway, so Nancy decides that she's going to go to the place that matches the address. And when she goes out there, it's the lawyers that she saw at the party. And she's like, all right. Oh, also, um, they left the death limo, the murder limo outside Franklin Turner's apartment where it was towed almost immediately because it's a, it's a classy apartment building that does not need a murder limo. Thank you. Anyway, so, um, when she goes to the lawyer's place, she's like, okay, well, maybe I can find something involving these people. Maybe this is the person on the phone. And so she goes in and she's checking like some shit. I think she's going to the secretary's desk to see something. And a person behind her is like, can I help you? Because she, it's like the weekend, I think. And so she thinks the place is probably deserted, even though she can hear some voices. And then the person is like, can I help you? And when she looks over, it's the same voice that she heard. And it's that fucking lawyer from the night before who was at the party. And he's like, you're hard to kill. And Nancy's like, yeah, I am, bitch. Um, anyway, so he takes her to his office, ties her to a chair, or has his henchman do it. His has a henchman named Gus, as one does. And so he's like, um, he leaves her in there with Gus because he needs to go call some people. Because you're like, clearly you're just middle management. Clearly the big bad is yet to come. So he calls his boss. Gus is in there with Nancy, but he like starts flipping through a magazine. He's like, we're going to kill you soon. And Nancy's like, not if I can fucking help it. So she's like, she gets herself partially out of the ropes. And then dude comes back in. I think it's Jethro. It's going to be Jethro. Jethro's like, what the, what did I tell you? Oh my God. Okay. Am I, who am I going to cast for like murder Michael? Hmm. Who can pull off murder Michael? I don't know. Could Colin Farrell pull off Murder Michael? I'm gonna... Let's do it. Let's do Colin Farrell for Murder Michael. Let's do Colin Farrell. Let's do it. We'll just put a gold tooth on him. It'll be nice. He's charming. Um, anyway. So. <laughs> Murder Michael. Um, so Gus is like... Jethro is like, you're a terrible henchman and I regret hiring you. But come on, let's take her. So they chloroform her ass because, of course, they do. And they take, she respawns in a new location with Michael, with actually not Michael, with fake Michael. She's like, hey, oh my God. Another thing that happened to Michael is they went out to the construction site to like to check in with him about something or ask him a question. And he was like, let me turn, let me do something with the lights. And he goes over to check to do the lights. And it fucking completes the circuit because somebody fucked with the circuitry. And he's, the fucker's electrocuted. And so Nancy and George pick up a two by four and go over there and get him away from it. Nancy's like, what doesn't collect, connect, you know, conduct electricity? Wood, wood, let's, yeah. And so they grab a two by four and like basically knock his ass away from it so that they don't also die. And then when the ambulance comes, he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I was like, I want there to be a, just a paragraph on how he doesn't have health insurance because he's an illegal immigrant, but it's fine. Um, he has no papers. He has no legit papers. He has assumed an identity. Um, but anyway, so he's been through some shit. I'm just saying, just saying. So, so Nancy sees Michael and she's like, hey, this is bad. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really fucking bad. So then, um, murder Michael walks in, Colin Farrell, who was like, hey, bitch, hey, we're gonna have to kill you. And Nancy's like, my dad. And he's like, girl, they ain't gonna find all the pieces of your body. And I give zero fucks. So I'm just saying. 
the entirety of the plot is that, okay, oh my god, so they, the woman does actually go to the police, admit the blackmail scheme that was done to her, they call Franklin Turner in, Nancy's there in observation, and Chief McGinnis is like, okay, did you blackmail this lady, and he's like, yeah, I mean, it was fine, and they're like all these other people because they fucking do a search warrant on his place find the rest of the files and they're like all these other people and he's like yeah i did it and Nancy's like what the fuck what the literal fuck like oh my god why would you and he's like i just did it to see if i could do it like it wasn't even because i needed money i just it was i got off on just fucking with people and Nancy's like that tracks though but there's somebody else behind this shit. Like, a lot of it seems like bravado, but she's like, someone else is behind this shit. Murder Michael. Murder Michael. Because I don't think his folder was among the folders. I, th- I don't think so. Um, also, mur- um, non-murder Michael. Non-Michael is like, hey, I'm going to turn myself into immigration and naturalization on Monday. Like, I'm, I, I can't, I don't want this hanging over my head. I don't, I'm just, I'm going to turn myself in and hopefully I'll have enough money to get my people over here. But, you know, and Nancy's like, okay, so we got until Monday basically to, to handle this. It's the weekend. There's a big party at Tim Terry Thomas's house. I'm going to give him three names like he's a serial killer. Um, he lives on Cedar Lake, which, or that's where his lake house is, which is the same place that Ned parent, Ned's parents have a, a little, um, lake bungalow or cottage and and Nancy's like because again she's captive at this point they're taking her there and she's like damn I wish Ned were home right now and I was like yeah or at the cabin but anyway it's like a big and she was like it would be charming if I were not seeing my impending murder so here's the thing Franklin Turner got into Terry Thomas's house Tim Terry Thomas's house into his campaign and everything because he wanted to approve the corrupt bids. Like, that's his thing. Bradford, of course, who has a gold tooth, is Murder Michael and has been the whole time. So he's, like, behind all this because he wants to make sure that it's, like, his people who get the contract so he can skim money off the top. Like, that's been that's been his plan. He was like, I have other people do my murders now. I've I've diversified. And so, of course, Nancy and the presence of not Michael are threatening his plan. So, he has decided to, as one does, blow them up in a boat. In a dramatic boat accident. And when I say dramatic, that shit gonna catch on fire. So, um, he puts them on the boat, ties them to the chairs. I was like, that's gonna be awkward for the autopsy later, but okay. And, like, sends them careening to the edge of the lake where there's cliffs and that will inevitably murder them. So, Nancy and Michael are on the murder boat. Nancy's like, my dad, also my friends are on the way to this party. And they're like, we we give zero fucks about any of that. We just want you dead. Like, shh. So, they're on the boat. The boat, okay. This is like peak action movie in that the boat has an autopilot. The autopilot is like jammed so they can't unengage it. It's got two engines. So, even if you disable one engine, the other one's still going to go. Like... That shit is is set. So Nancy and Michael, by the time they actually are able to get out of their chairs, which it takes like actually Michael is such a big guy that like the boat goes over something and he manages to fling himself in such a way that he breaks his chair off, which is fine. Anyway, 
Um, he goes to look at the engines. He's like, yeah, we're no, they're, they're so hot that even if we try to do anything, we would like burn our skin off. And Nancy's like, okay, cool. What else we got? Um, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing else. And Nancy's like, we're going to have to fucking jump for it. Like she can see that their murder is approaching at rapid speed. And Michael's like, yeah, I can't swim. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? And there's no life rafts or there's no sort of life saving equipment whatsoever. And Nancy's like, shit, I think usually on these things, most of the cushions are flotation devices. So she's like crossing her fingers and she's like, okay, I'm going to grab some cushions. And so she hands Michael a cushion. She's like, this should float. She's like, once we get in the water, I can tell you to shore. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I fucking am phobic about water and I'm going to flip the fuck out. And she's like, well, I can knock you out. And he's like, "Mm." because Nancy, of course, knows like life saving and water, but like trying to knock him out in the water and tow him to shore in like not great conditions is it's gonna be hard so she's like okay here's a cushion it should support you we gotta jump we just have to and he's like okay okay let's do it so they jump the boat explodes like a minute later on because it like smashes into rocks or some shit um, a big old fragment of said boat comes over and Nancy's like, let me just wait for the fire to go out before we just climb onto this thing. So they basically like kickboard it to shore and get to the party. When they get to the party, like the party's in full swing and it's really loud. And so nobody has heard the quote boat accident. Um, but Nancy sees Bess and George and then she sees, um, smarmy lawyer dude. Who is he played by? Hmm. Who's somebody I absolutely hate? No, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be somebody I hate, but, like, Franklin Turner, to me, is the little dude from Always Sunny. Not in a bad way, but, like, Franklin Turner just seems like kind of an idiot. No judgment. Um, I don't know. Maybe the lawyer, Joel McHale, I think he could pull it off. I think he could. Maybe. I think he could do it. Not the guy who does the shit, but the guy who orders the shit done. Also, he played a lawyer on Community, so it makes sense. Anyway, um, so Colin Farrell is like, oh no, a horrible thing has happened to Bess and George. And Nancy's like, steps out of the bush and she's like, yeah, it has, bitch. And he's like, shit. And so he just makes a run for it, as one does. Um, like, there was a point when they were, like, getting them onto the boat that Nancy and Michael managed to get away. But they, like, tackled him and got him back on the boat. Like, there's, there's just, there are the hints of hope. And then they're just snatched violently away. But it's okay, because um, Murder Michael, Colin Farrell, who is absolutely not Elron, but maybe some Elron energy, though, um, is heading for his helicopter. He's like, I will just helicopter away from this problem, as one does. So Nancy's like, George, get all the volunteers. So George, like, whistles and calls all the volunteers together. She's like, get that helicopter. And, like, a chain of teenagers like clings to the runners of the helicopter so that it can't take off. And then he's reaching for a gun and Nancy's like, son of a bitch. And so Michael gets on there and like smashes him in the chin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Michael. The fake Michael gets on there, and smashes him in the chin. And that's it. So that's it. Um, at the end of it, Terry, Tim, Terry Thomas's re- like being reelected party mm, that ain't gonna happen reasons corruption etc and he, and george is like yeah that sucked and he's like i'm really sorry that that happened because i know that you like that guy um also um not michael 
made enough money that he's actually going to be able to get his family over. And Bess is like, so you said you had a brother? Because he's... The the thing is that the birth date was wrong. That was what um, non-Michael said. That's what that little fold over in the corner was. Because I think that non-Michael is maybe like 25, 20-ish years older than he is. So that's why it was like, oh, yeah, you're not him. But anyway, Bess is like, so you have a little brother? Mm, okay, okay. Um, but anyway, so um, George is sure that Tim Terry Thomas is going to get back into politics. But she's like, but I'm not going to be there for it. Because I think I'm just going to focus on voter registration drives like that seems like a safe place for me to focus my energy and Nancy's like yeah it does and also um Carson has agreed to take on not Michael's case so and he's like yeah I'm gonna encourage people to be good citizens because that's what I wanted to be the whole time and scene so yeah what have we learned don't steal a murderer for hire's identity is a big one um also um the explanation for kathy's death at at the beginning of the novel is that she flipped out when they came after her and fell and so it and so franklin is like that wasn't my fault also i was at a party and nancy's like you son of a bitch but he's like hey it's not our fault that she got scared and ran away and i was like if you weren't there she wouldn't have gotten scared and run away you little bitch so there's that there's there's just a lot of that um yeah Again, I think that the most interesting thing about this book is the fact that Nancy takes on the case, even though this is like, quote unquote, a person that she wouldn't normally have done this for, because I'm like, uh, it goes back to like the whole Joe Swenson thing where he's an immigrant and he just wants to provide for his family and he like trusts the wrong person. And again, Dee Shannon didn't do this intentionally. Dee didn't hand him this identity knowing who this guy was. Like, there's no hint of that. It's just like, I was trying to help a guy out. And it's in her best interest to not be involved in this kind of shit. So. But. Of all of the ones that we've looked at so far. And there have been other ones. Like I'd say Teresa Montenegro who comes in. Who like clearly her whole situation is like a stand in for like the CIA fucking around in other countries. Um, Like. I love the ones where Nancy's like legit helping somebody who like needs her help because she can grant the privilege that they don't necessarily have and like yeah so there's that i think it's really interesting that like george becomes disillusioned with politics because again this is a fairly popular theme in the books like we're gonna have other other books that are set during like re-election campaigns other books that include marilyn kilpatrick um because oh my god like she's a good one to go back to she's a powerful woman and so it's kind of like future nancy but yeah so i do think it's really fascinating that they're like we're gonna tell you that he's from ireland but we're not gonna talk about the ongoing political stuff that caused this so yeah the whole like should should ireland reunify and him identifying it as ireland i was like yeah you're you're telling what's going on there so good job good job all around uh next week what the fuck are we doing next week oh my god let me see or i say next week like i'm not like perpetually dying of tuberculosis cough next week is vanishing act oh shit yeah i I remember so nancy does occasionally get involved with rock stars who do dubious things and i'm like are high the whole time i love that they're like no they're fine and they're not constantly banging groupies and drunk as shit 
So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about next week is Nancy investigating the disappearance of a musician. So, that's fun. The one after that is going to be um, Bad Medicine, which I'm super excited about because it's a Ned Heavy one. And then the one after that, because we're going to do a special bonus episode this time, is going to be Shockwaves. Oh, my God! Which is a Nancy Drew Hardy Boys super mystery that heavily features Ned. So suck it, Trebek. Oh my God. I'm so excited for all of us to go on this journey together. Oh my God. Oh, and actually like it's a, it's a fairly decent mystery. If I remember correctly. Again, I was focused on like how often Nancy and Ned were making out because that is always my primary concern. Like, are, are we getting, is my girl getting lucky? Is my girl at least, like, possibly able to get lucky? That's that's what I'm here for. So, so that's what we're going to do next time. In the meantime, if you see any Irish immigrants from 1989, help them out. They need your help. Um, so there's that. If you see a guy with a gold tooth. Oh, oh, my God. The guy with the gold tooth. Murder Michael, Colin Farrell, was like, yeah, I earned the money for this through murdering people. So I refer to it as the tooth that killed me. And I was like... Like, he says some version of that, and I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Nothing you're saying is making sense. Like, I think that you've scared everybody around you into, like, just going along with whatever the fuck you're saying, and you think that you are far wittier than you actually are. So, good job. Anyway, you're a piece of shit, Murder Michael. You're just a piece of shit. With a helicopter. I sincerely did not understand that about this. I was like... How, how okay if let's say it was five years ago because that feels appropriate like he non-michael had to do a lot of work to actually get to his the the cache that he's got at his job um how did he go from like contract killer to like wealthy respected chicago business person in like five years it's a short span of time i was like did he kill the previous bradford williams and just to assume his identity like some sort of weird parasite like which is never alluded to in the book and would have made it far more interesting as far as i'm concerned there's our elron there's our true elron um because i just it, it feels it feels a bit improbable i mean what part of this doesn't but it's fine yeah. Also, Gus, you're a terrible henchman, but we're fine with that because it's an Nancy Drew book. The worse your henchman is, the better, honestly. Tie some tie some loose ropes. Go take some catamine. Go take some catamine. Take the edge off on this job. So that's where we're going to leave it for this time. So as always, stay classy and stay sleuthy, my friends.